Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to Season 5 of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. My name is Neil Mackay and I'm your host. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the podcast today. My guest today is Nia Mai, all the way from Vietnam, but currently living in Dublin. So we caught up over Zoom. So there might be a little bit of an issue with the quality or a little bit of a lag sometimes, but hopefully it's not too detrimental to the quality of the podcast. And you enjoy this episode as we talk about his life moving from Vietnam all the way to my home country, Scotland, and then ending up in Dublin. And he's also a stand-up comedian as well. So we talk a little bit about that. He also is the host of a podcast, which has just started recently called The Hot Podcast, which is with a whole team of amazing Vietnamese talented people, comedians, producers, designers, to create the podcast and showcase Vietnamese talent around the world. And they also have guests from other countries as well. So I will be hopefully appearing on that podcast soon as well. So make sure you check that out. If you do enjoy 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast, make sure that wherever you are listening from right now, you go hit the follow, subscribe, love button, whatever it is, turn on the notifications as well, because that means you'll never miss an episode of a Vietnam podcast. Also, if you are enjoying it, please leave a review. That would be amazing. You can do that again on whatever platform you're listening from. Apple Podcast is great, but you can also go to Facebook and give the page a like or a follow and leave a review there. 
Make sure you check us out on all the usual social media channels as well as Facebook. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. And there'll be some video content from this episode on YouTube because we recorded it on Zoom. Um, We are not on TikTok. That's never going to happen. So don't go searching on there. And it's a very small chance that you'll ever find us on Twitter. So don't worry about that. But you can get it on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Go and give it a like, a follow, subscribe. Make sure you don't miss an episode. And if you are enjoying 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast, you can now support the podcast on patreon.com. There's a link in the show notes. There you can become a member and you get different benefits depending on the level that you sign up for. To make a Vietnam podcast takes a lot of time and it does take money as well and it will always be available for free. But if you are enjoying this content and you want to support, then that would be really, really appreciated. And if you don't want to become a member, there's also a note in the show links. You can buy me a coffee as well at coffee.com. And again, that would be hugely appreciated. So make sure you check all of them out. Give us a like on Facebook, subscribe on Instagram, do all of that good stuff and enjoy the episode. So thank you so much to the people who have already joined on Patreon and the people who have been donating coffees from around the world. I recently got bought coffee from a man all the way in Berlin. This is the world that we live in. So that would be amazing if you want to do that as well. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to season five of Seven Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. I'm your host, Neil Mackay. Thank you for listening. I hope you've been enjoying previous episodes of a Vietnam podcast. Now, my guest today is a fellow comedian. We've performed together, which what seems like many, many years ago here in Saigon. He's now based in Ireland after moving to Scotland, my home country, back in 2014, where he first started stand-up, and then in 2019, relocated to Ireland, where he has been killing it on the comedy stage there until uh, we know what happened. We had a bloody global pandemic. So welcome to the podcast, Nia Mai. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's uh, nine in the morning, uh, you know, but I had my coffee, so I'm ready to go. Good, good. Well, it's, yeah, it's four o'clock in the afternoon here, Saigon time. And I, I actually, we can let the listeners know, I was running late today for the podcast in true Saigonese fashion. I had a flat tire. and uh, But again, in true Saigonese fashion, I just needed to drive to the first street corner, had it pumped up for 5,000 dong, and I was on my way. But it still sent me back a bit. So I apologize for being late. Thank you for it. Is this early for you? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, but I usually wake up like near, basically near to noon. So yeah, uh, thanks for like waking me up. Right away, you can tell that you've lived outside of Vietnam for far too long if you're waking up at noon, because that is not something that Vietnamese people do. <laughs> no, 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 of course not. <laughs> it's always blown me away. It took me so long to get into the rhythm of Vietnam that basically everyone wakes up at 6 a.m. I remember traveling to... um school teaching in public school and driving at seven in the morning and already the roads are just absolutely packed You're like where are all these people going what are they doing yeah i mean it's like uh when i was like, growing up in vietnam you know you have to like get up like i think i remember getting up like half five in the morning uh you know just to you know access just to get my routine in um and then try get, get and then get, catch the school bus uh, uh to school um, but yeah, I mean, and, and you know, you 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 do have that routine into ingrained into you for a long period until like um, until you actually move out of the country and you realize that you don't actually need to get up at five in the morning. It is. It's one of the it's one of the things that makes Vietnam, I think, so charming. When you, um, I remember being here as a tourist the first time and going around Quang Kiem Lake in uh, Hanoi, and there's just tens and tens of 
elderly women doing all their exercises with their arms and and you're like how is that even exercise but i mean i guess moving is better than not moving so whether while it's probably not the most efficient exercise it's doing something right yeah i mean uh you know being able to just to go outside and exercise you know to find it's finding an excuse to go outside Growing up uh, back in Vietnam, you know, like so my dad, because uh, both my parents have habits of like just waking up early and you know, um, doing things before they go, they go to work. So they would, and they always actually to tell me to wake up, tell me to wake up. Uh, and even then, like because you know, like sort of that philosophy of like you go uh, right, you know, getting up, uh, rising, you know, rising, shine, getting up early, so you can start work early. Uh, you know, the idea of like time's money. Even though, yeah, because uh, my uh, so this is one thing my my grandmother used to tell uh, used to tell my dad. Uh, it was basically like even a beggar has to wake up early, you know, because, uh, you know, the idea that he wake up early and there'll be already people already there so he can uh, ask for money. But if he gets more, gets up early, he can ask for, ask, uh, he can ask for, for more money, you know, you know, the sort of logic, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's almost like the Vietnamese version of the early bug catches the worm, I guess. The, the, yeah, early, <laughs> the early beggar catches the money, I guess. Now, you're also um, hosting uh, a new podcast called um, The Hot Podcast, which is now, you're up to, what, episode four or five, is it? It's all right, Yummy. We have seven episodes. You can uh, binge, uh, you can binge listening to them uh, after this. Nice, nice. I've listened to one of them. I listened to your one about the Hanoi Comedy Festival, which sounded, sounded great. So make sure if you are listening, you check out The Hot Podcast. Hot Podcast, same as 7 Million Bikes. I'm pretty sure you can find it anywhere you can get podcast right yeah um, yeah we're available on you know spotify google and apple you know just all the major uh, mm. podcasting platforms and then so how did you get into that um i guess it's one of those uh, i don't know like because i guess uh, like with the, like a global pandemic lockdowns um uh, there was an inevitability of like there was a of like getting into a podcasting way um so um um uh, so Essentially, so I have a friend who's uh, he's a he's also a comic, a Vietnamese comic, but he was living in uh, he was living in Belgium at the time. But he was uh, very active in the, in the Saigon scene before he moved over. Um, so we, you know, he thought, you know, why don't, why don't we make a uh, make a podcast? Um, yeah. So the idea was that you know, so it's not just like um, like just one person just uh, having like unstructured, uh, just one person t- talking for like two hours. So what we wanted what we wanted to do was to. Uh, it was to have like a sort of like a panel show, you know, sort of like eight out of ten, like you know the one in the, in the very popular UK, like Mock the Week or eight out of ten cats. So that's sort of format. So uh, what we what we wanted to do was to promote um, like Vietnamese comic. Uh, so we have like a panel, a host, a panel of like two or three Vietnamese comics, and like and a guest who is not Vietnamese, usually a, a comic, another comic from another from another country. And we talk about like different uh, topics, uh, uh, essentially ideas and jokes, you know, essentially like uh, pro- engaging in like cultural ex- exchange, um, but at the same also promoting Vietnamese talent uh, to a much wider audience. Yeah, I saw the recent episode with uh, Woman 2 and uh, J.K. Hobson, who've both been previous guests on this podcast. They're actually two of the top rated episodes on um Seven million bikes. Actually, Vuman Two is the most listened to episode of a Vietnam podcast. And JK, surprise! <laughs> I think though I got accused of clickbait because I called the I called that podcast um, Vietnam's raunchiest comedian, which I think is it's not even clickbait. It's just fact, right? But we didn't actually really talk much about like anything <laughs> raunchy. We just had a, a discussion, like I do with all my guests, about about them. 
and I had one friend who, who listens to the episodes and he messaged after it came out and he's like, that episode wasn't what I thought it was going to be about. You called it Vietnam's raunchiest comedian. <laughs> but maybe I need to get better at my titles. I, I think you could probably just, you could probably just put the word sex in every title and it would just get more listens, right? <laughs> Do you know what even That's I noticed? True, like sex sales, you know. It is so true. Like I know, I noticed recently. I, I did a Facebook post with um, one of my recent guests, and um, I won't I won't say her name, but one of the female guests I had on, and I shared the post on Facebook. And then obviously you can see the kind of analysis of who's looked at the post and whatnot. And because it was a picture of a female, the amount of men that had clicked it was like seventy percent to thirty percent female. <laughs> When generally my podcast listeners, if I look at any sort of stats, it's 50-50. There's no real difference, you know, 49-51 or whatever. But for, for, I was like, this, this is just how basic men are. Like, we are that basic. They're scrolling through Facebook. They see a post for a podcast. They don't care about the podcast. They just see a pretty girl on the picture and they click it 70%. Yeah, yeah, man, and I, I can imagine I'm just actually listening to the podcast and be like, "When she's talking about sex, come on, I need something." Oh, yeah. So I've learned my lesson. So you're going to be the last male that I'm going to interview, and uh, it's all women from now on. <laughs> that's good. Uh, you know, uh, we need more women in comedy. Um. Well, that's true as well. That's very true as well. So, how did you get into comedy in Scotland? So that. This is actually crazy because you're the exact opposite to me. So I started doing comedy in Vietnam and I'm from Scotland and you started doing comedy in Scotland and you're from Vietnam. How did this happen? Um, well, I didn't actually, technically I didn't actually start comedy in, the, in Scotland. I actually started in, in Vietnam. But oh, you've just ruined my story then? Uh, I didn't know. Uh, so... No, but um, like if you're talking about like, uh, well, I mean, if you're talking about doing comedy uh, insistently, um, well, I, I started in Scotland, but uh, a couple of years back when I was still in school, um, like the, the school had like, a talent show and I signed up for that. And I, and during that time, I already started watching a lot of like stand-up comedy uh, on YouTube, you know, like uh, watching a lot of uh, uh, Russell Peters, Eddie Murphy. And I figured, you know, I just want to give it a try. You know, why, why not? And so I wrote some jokes. I, I went on stage. I did my, like, five-minute set. Uh, I did quite a bit. I did pretty well. Uh, but uh, and then I did another one after that. But uh, I didn't do it again for the next two years, uh, I, I, you know, because I was just focusing on, on my studies and, you know, just uh, the idea of being a high, just, uh, you know, high school is already a, of, like, dramas already, you know. Uh, <clears throat> not great ground for, for material. Um, so... When I when I moved to Scotland to Edinburgh for for uni, um, I figured so I want I started joining a lot of like different societies and one of them was the, the comedy society there and then and that's when and then I signed up for their fresher show fresher show and that's when I started like actually doing comedy like a bit more consistently and started like actually working, um, started performing more regularly, uh, from that point on. And how were the Scottish audiences? Um, well, initially, like, uh, because it was like, uh, I was part of society. So we did like, like, uh, like a uni show. So the, the, so the audience were mostly like students. So, you know, like uni student, university student, uh, particularly in the UK, and you know, they tend to be a bit more liberal. So, you know, a bit open-minded about things. Uh, but, uh, so I didn't do, a, I didn't do actual shows in like, in the, cl- in the clubs or like the, the pubs. I just, I just started doing them, but I didn't do many of them back then. So I didn't get the, so, you know, students, they were a bit more nicer and, uh, more, more nice and more open-minded um but i think 
but it wasn't until I did start I started doing the fringe uh by around maybe twenty around twenty six twenty sixteen you know i uh, I started developing my start uh performing to you know just normal people so you know that's what, uh, and um and you know, just an interesting experience, and you learn how to like react to certain situations. Uh, you become more, you become more like quick-witted. So you know, I find you know, Scottish people and you know Scottish people in general. I think uh, you know they have a very good, great, they have a good sense of humor. You know, in general, you know they they're able to laugh at anything. And also, I think because you know the accent is already funny enough, you can sound funny just for, just by speaking in a, in a Scottish accent. You know. I was going to say whose whose accent was funny, yours or the Scottish people? Uh, both. Um, you know, like uh, <laughs> you know, so they you're just having a normal conversation with a Scottish person is already you know, already laughing. You know, they just just <laughs> it's like they're mocking. Uh, it's just like you know you they're just mocking at everything. Thing in, in in their life so different so self-deprecating at the same time uh part of my act i would just like do a scottish accent in there and it would just sound it would just sound shocking to a lot of people wow that's that's very real you know like, <laughs> and can you do your scottish accent for me i can try you're right boss you're right okay <laughs> you're right man <laughs> oh great great <laughs> hey hey yeah Hey, perpetrator! <laughs> the perpetrator. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I do a joke about like Scottish people saying words with R in the middle, and I I talk about journalist and murder and burger, but I've never used perpetrator. <laughs> That's a great one. But the other one that people sometimes sometimes people ask me to say uh, the purple burglar. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen one on Facebook where um, if you ask a Scottish person to say space ghetto, it's the same as spice girls, which if probably people listening right now don't actually know the difference between what I said. So the first thing I said was S-P-A-C-E, space. And the second one I said was G-H-E-T-T-O, ghetto. So space ghetto. <laughs> It's the same as a Scottish person saying Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's fun action, especially if you're like from Glasgow. That's when you have the actual, like, you know, really rough uh, Scottish accent. Um, like, with me, because I, I was living in Edinburgh, and Edinburgh is a bit more, it's a bit softer. It's actually closer to, like, the, the English accent, closer to, like, the English accent. Oh, so be, more, be, more be careful! Be careful! You just offended every person from Edinburgh with that comment. Gee, don't go back to Edinburgh after saying that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair, like, to be fair, like, the, uh, you know, like Edinburgh University is already like it's technically an English university you know, in terms of student body. You know, like um, it's it's a it's a place for like Oxford rejects. So that's uh, <laughs> that's one I found out. You know. <laughs> So how did you end up then? So you're from Saigon originally. When did you move to Edinburgh and why did you choose Scotland? Um, so, yeah, I moved it like in September 2014, uh, around September 2014, you know, the startup term. Um, so, uh, well, I think, uh, well, I didn't actually choose uh, Scotland in particular. It was more like um, because of the university and its reputation. Um, so I went to like a British National School back in Vietnam and uh, I was just looking at, you know, I was looking at uni, uni options and um, we, the UK was one of them. And so at one point, I think my guidance counselor uh, recommended Edinburgh to me. You know, it was a good, you know, very good university. 
very reputable. Um, and yeah, I figured, yeah, so why, why, you know, I figured why not? So I applied it to Edinburgh University, and at the same time, I also applied it to several other Scottish universities. You know, like, and uh, that's quite 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 impressive. You know, like Scotland, for a very small country, you have a lot. You know, they they have a lot of like. You know, some of the greatest, some of the best universities uh, in in the world, and some of the oldest universities. Yeah, so um, uh, I got an offer after that. I got an offer to uh, Edinburgh University, um, and that's and that's, that's how I got ended up in uh, in Scotland. Once you uh, arrived in Scotland and you'd been there for a while, and uh, you experienced the Scottish weather, at what point did you regret your choice? <laughs> um, basically, when I landed it. <laughs> You know, it was, uh, I think it was very stormy outside and, you know, like, oh God, what? <laughs> you know, when it was like summer, you imagine it was like uh, around late summer in, in Saigon and then I flew to Edinburgh, it was already raining, it was already, I went outside, it was already cold and I'm like, this is shit. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I think it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty man- manage- manageable. Um, like it was, you know, but even then it was, it wasn't until like, you know, I didn't really regret it until it was around like December, February to December up, up to March. And I think that's when uh, shit just started kicking in, you know, the, 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 this constant raining, the storm, you know, it was it been the best kind of rain. It was like, not, it wasn't tropical rain, it was just really cold rain. It's just sad and depressing, but, um, you know, everything, anything for a good education, for, for a good education. And weather-wise, uh, I did regret, regret it a bit, but I guess, you know, but, because of the people I met uh, along the way, they kind of kept me warm all throughout that uh, those uh, uh, those few years, you know. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just a quite uh, just a different experience living on a, in a different continent, living for on a different continent for a number of years. For a number of years, um, but I guess it was it was uh, it was kind of expected, you know, because of the things you heard from uh, from people from people about Scotland and and the, and the UK in general. Uh, you know, they, they always talk. They always talk about. The, I think that's the number one thing. You know, people always complain about the weather. Anyway, and that's why that's why the people, Scottish people, go to Spain uh, for the weekends. Yeah, and I hope my my people and I know Scottish people. I hope they welcomed you with open arms. We are a very very friendly people. <laughs> yep, <laughs> most of the time. But yes, yes, that, that is very true. We have a well in Glasgow. We have a violent reputation, but we're also the friendliest people in the world. Yeah, yeah, well, because uh, yeah, uh, like uh, all the Scottish people I met so far, they were they're, you know, very nice, you know, very funny, very funny people. Um, also, as I mentioned, you know, the, the Scottish sense of humor is like something else. You know, it's just it's so it's so dark, but it's so self-deprecating at the same time. And you know, it's it, it's always quite quite, um, quite nice. It's, it's quite nice to hear. Uh, uh, all because of the accent. Well, I remember when I lived in Melbourne and I, I was working with a Scottish girl and she was from Glasgow as well and she had like a rough Scottish accent and she came over to my apartment I introduced her to my friend who was on the couch I just said, oh, you know, this is Kirk and she walked up to him and she went, my name's Zara, what's your name? And he, even I was like, whoa. It was the most <laughs> aggressive introduction you've ever seen in your life and I looked at her and she's like what I'm just telling them my name I was like that was like terrifying <laughs> yeah. so I don't know if, I don't know if you had a similar people kind of 
they introduce themselves to you and you're like, I don't know if they're going to stab me or if they want to be my friend. <laughs> no, it's more like, um, you know, I think uh, I was quite surprised of how, how often people would ask you, like, what's the, what's your, uh, whether you're all right or not. Like, you're right, Bo, you're right. You know, you, you know, like you, when you learn English, right, you, you learn how to say, how are you? You know, like, I'm fine, thank you, you, and you. And fine, thank you, and you. And, but you, they come up to you, you're right, Bo. I'm like, I'm like, what is wrong with me? You know, like, is there anything wrong with me? I'm like, is he telling me or is he asking me? I'm not sure what's happening right now. <laughs> you are a both. You know, before they prefer you. You are both, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you for all, man? <laughs> um, no, I think that. It, I think. Um, I think that you get a lot of like if you were living like in uh, somewhere like Glasgow, but I think Edinburgh a bit more. Yeah, like I said, Edinburgh is a bit more. Uh, I guess. Uh, they're a bit more um, gentler than uh, Sweden, you know, yeah. Probably, you know, capital, you know, the idea of, you know, people living in, in the capital city. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I never was a fan of Edinburgh growing up because I was a proud Glaswegian. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. as an adult now, when I've been back to Edinburgh, I love it. It's like, wow, this is a, it's a beautiful city. I've never lived there, but I've had family that have lived there and it's, uh, it's not as bad as I thought, but I still love Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. Edinburgh is a very yeah. It's just a beautiful city, particularly with the with the hills. You just walk up and down all the all the time. Um, yeah, and then you just the, the castles and uh, also the, the the town center as well. Is uh, yeah, it was uh, you know it was some of the yeah some uh, yeah some very beautiful beautiful sights. And we have to talk about the whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I didn't drink much uh, whiskey. Uh, while I was uh, going to uni, I think uh, there was. Uh, I have a couple of them for like maybe the Burns night, you know, the Burns for the Burns night, Burns night uh, supper, um, and um, yeah, I remember like because when my parents and my parents visited uh, uh, for my for my graduation, we went to a whiskey distillery. So that was that was good. That was quite fun. Um, yeah, I mean uh, it was yeah the, the whiskey is quite nice. You know, uh, the whiskey is quite nice. But most of the time, you know, being a student, you know, you're living on a on, on a budget, you know, just go with the uh, cans of tenants, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or buck fast? Did you try buck fast? I think regrettably, I think so. Yeah. Uh, you drink a lot. You drink a lot. Weird, you drink a lot of weird things uh, on uh, rugby night outs, you know. <laughs> when was the last time you made it back to Saigon? Um, like um, so, like uh, what I was uh, what I was doing in uh, in Scotland, I would go home like every summer. Um, so um, the first time I went by, I went for like the whole three months uh, for, for the whole three months. And then it's just just shorter because you know because of the Edinburgh Fringe, which would happen in, in August. And I so I didn't go home permanently until like after I graduated. So I, I came back to Saigon around um, late 2018, around late 2018. And um, I, so I lived there. So I lived there for a year. You know, work, I started working for a bit before I moved to. Uh, and that's when I also started working on my master's application. And then so now you're doing your master's in Ireland in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, at the Trinity College. There's two very famous universities that you've uh, been to, Edinburgh and Trinity College. Yeah, I mean, yeah, two of the, I think, I guess two of the most famous uh, non-English universities in the English-speaking world, so I would say. Um, uh, at least on the, like, the British-Irish, uh, on the British and Irish Isle. So what were your immediate, uh, what were the immediate reactions? What was the difference between the Irish and the Scottish, you noticed? As I mentioned, you know, Scottish accent, it can be quite rough, uh, whereas, you know, the Irish, the Irish, uh, a bit softer. Um, I, I guess they're a bit similar, you know, like just uh, revolving around drink, uh, drinking, uh, 
sort of and the hatred for the English. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, uh, at the same time, you know, the, the hospitality, the welcomeness, you know, the, the, the friendliness, you know, the, the, um, I guess also the, uh, Dublin is a bit flatter than Edinburgh, you know, because Edinburgh is a bit more hilly, you know, but, uh, yeah, but I guess they're, they're pretty much the same in terms of like uh, the number of Americans uh, at the university, you know, it's like because, um, you know, like well, somehow a large portion of American, you know, a lot of Americans, they trade their ancestry back to, uh, you know, either of those two places, that, uh, Ireland or Scotland, so some they still, they, they, they feel a sense of attachment, you know, it's, it's quite weird, but, it's, you know, it's quite fun at the same time. <laughs> You know, I always found it weird when I lived in America and, and you met people and they'd be like, oh my God, you're from Scotland? I'm from Scotland too. And you'd be like, oh, cool. Where are you from in Scotland? Oh, I've never been there, but like my great, great, great granny was from like Sky or something. I don't know. And you're like, dude, you're not Scottish. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can just uh, stop that with, uh, just switch that with Irish. It would just be the same conversation. You know, like, yeah, it's just great being here, you know, uh, going back to my... Uh, Parents, uh, my great grand, my my great great man's village in Kildare. You know, it's just- yeah. I, I've talked about it with my wife and with other Americans. It's kind of like nice as well because America is a new country, and everyone in America is from somewhere else, essentially, unless you're Native yeah. American. So while it's easy to make fun of it, it still makes sense that they 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 are aware of that they're from somewhere else, and you'd want to go back to that. And as I just discussed on the last podcast, you know, I'm. I don't I don't know how far back my generations go Scottish. I, I've got no interesting lineage as far as I know going back generations. So it's easy to mock, but I can understand why, you know, you, you would be proud of that. Yeah, I think even like in the States at the moment, um, you know, the current president, uh, Joe Biden, he's, uh, you know, he's Irish. Uh, he, has, he still remain, he still retain a lot of the, the links. I think I remember like when, when Biden won the election, I think his like S village uh, in, in County Mayo, like celebrated as Oh, cool! Quite I didn't fun to see. Like, he still have. He actually still have like relative. Yeah, it's the same like in like uh, like with Obama when we won the election. Yeah, somehow this random village in Kenya started celebrating uh, because his dad was from there. But yeah, so, yeah, I mean similar. Yeah, similar dynamics. It's quite quite fast. Well, it's Scotland's shame that Donald Trump's mum is from Scotland. That's just like I'm, I'm. I'm so embarrassed about that. I'm glad it doesn't come up very often because um, yeah, we we are very we we apologize to everyone for that. <laughs> I mean, at least uh, the golf course in St Andrews banned uh, Donald Trump. So I mean, there's uh, some sort of some, that's some form of redemption. I've seen some amazing uh, placards of protest against Donald Trump with that Scottish sense of humour coming through, um, and I, I don't even want to repeat what half of them said. But my favourite, I think, was when it called him an orange Cheeto. Was a, a personal favourite. <laughs> Orange Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in Ireland at the moment. How's things going over there right now? I don't know. Uh, I mean, the weather's getting better. Uh, I think that's one positive. Um, but I think it's not ideal because with the uh, with lockdown uh, being extended up uh, until like the end of April. So I think wow. it's going to be a few more uh, a few more rough months until you know uh, things start uh, things start to improve. So, what exactly are you allowed and not allowed to do? Um, so you can, yeah, you can move, uh, you can go outside, but only you can still go outside, like for, for walks, for exercise, like uh, to buy stuff. But it has to be within like five kilometer radius uh, from uh, from your home, unless it's for like a really essential reason, unless it's uh, really essential reasons, uh, like for work, uh, otherwise. Um, yeah, and so that's uh, that's. Uh, 
Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. It's just, you know, just stay within your five kilometers. And do you wish, I would imagine that you're still in Vietnam or would you rather be in Ireland anyway? Oh, yes, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, weird, it's a weird dilemma. Um, like, of course, you know, like the, imagine, like, uh, I would talk to my parents uh, like on the phone quite often. Um, and you imagine, like, every time I talk to my, uh, to my parents, every time I'm talking to my parents, they will be doing something, you know, like they'll be doing something like normal, like eating out in a restaurant or, or they're about to go to a wedding and, and you're just at home and you're doing nothing. You're just uh, uh, crying a lot of times. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's I, I feel like a part of me, like, wish I was still back in uh, Vietnam, but at the same time, because I'm, I'm here because of the, all the people, all the friends I met, all the things I've done. So I feel, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I feel I want to stick around for just for, for a bit, uh, bit longer. Yeah. And, you know, just hoping that things uh, improve uh, at, some, at some point. You could come back to Vietnam if you wanted to, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, like you have to sign up for like one of those uh, repatriation flights, uh, and they they can they take a while, you know, to process. Um, and I've seen like you know footage of those like repatriation flights. It's like you know, you're leaving Mars or something. You know, just you know, you're wearing like full PPE for like duration of flights. It's it's quite scary. I just want to, you know, you you just want to be on the plane, you know, normally, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah, so a bit, it's a bit. Uh, I can go back, but it's just a bit uh, tricky at the moment. Mm. My my heart goes out to obviously everyone, like my family, more obviously. So like, it's just so difficult after being here in Vietnam for the past year. We've just not experienced lockdown at all. Really, I find it frustrating sometimes. I hear people say because in August we had a, a, I call it more like a slowdown. You know where they close the bars and the restaurants or they limit it, but that's it. You know, it's just bars and restaurants and maybe like public gathering, well, events as well, so public gatherings, but they do it for a month, things go back to normal and then we carry on as normal. And I find it frustrating when I see expats post on Facebook groups like, oh yeah, when we were in lockdown in August or oh, another lockdown's coming because this month we've been in another slowdown because there was an outbreak. So bars have been closed or regulated to less than 20, 30 people. All my events have been canceled. All gatherings have been canceled. But apart from that, everyone still goes to work. Everyone can go. Every, apart from that, life is completely normal. And I still find it frustrating when I, I see yeah. people say like, oh yeah, we're in lockdown. It's like, no, we're not. We're not in lockdown at all. We're absolutely free. The bars are closed. That's it. The bars are closed. <laughs> And even then, half of them are still open anyway. Whereas then, you know, when I speak to my family back home or people like yourself who for one year have been living under uh, uh, the harshest lockdowns. And so I just, yeah, as it's going on and on, I, I feel that worse and worse, which I know doesn't give you any comfort that I feel bad for you, but I just can't imagine how um, how difficult it is. So I hope that you're doing well and, and staying mentally strong and, and having a creative outlet as well is good to do the podcast because you definitely need to have that outlet. Um, yeah, definitely. I just, um, uh, yeah, it's a bit frustrating, uh, especially uh, the way period, the way things have been handled, have been handled uh, here uh, since March. Um, a lot of, like, so just a lot of, <clears throat> just a lot of like opening up, uh, like locking up, opening up, locking up, uh, locking up, opening up. Uh, uh, yeah, it can be quite frustrating. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I'm quite glad uh, you know, like uh, to have like a like some sort like some sort of a creative outlet at the same time maintaining like a daily routine. You know, to trying to uh, keep uh, try to stay sane. But uh, yeah, but I think yeah, at the same time, hopefully things will uh, improve. Hopefully, uh, next until into the summer. And I'm assuming with the vaccine rollout as well, that's going to help massively as well. Uh, definitely, yeah, um, yeah, they're, they're ramping it up uh, at the moment. I think the aim is uh, by for by autumn, but uh, every adult will be offered uh, a, a vaccine. Oh, that's good. I was saying to my wife, as kind of young, healthy people, we're going to be waiting like three years for a vaccine or something like that. <laughs> we are way down the list of people that, that are need the vaccine, right? I think this way they just start like uh, vaccinating old people right now, like people in my like. I think people in my parent like, around my parents' age uh, are starting uh, to. Uh, starting to get the uh, the vaccine. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. So, so yeah, it's gonna be a, more, a few more months before we get something in. Before we get something injected in our arms. <laughs> Can you believe that we're living through this? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, like, it's pretty sure. Uh, like, yeah, it's pretty surreal. Um, like I said, it's just one of those um, like uh, historic. Uh, you know, like just uh, one of those like big moments, uh, like a uh, big historic moment. Um, like uh, that's gonna define. Um, like generate kind of the generations and kind of have a long lasting impact mm. um, um, like decades for for decades yeah i i remember um growing up i always thought to myself we're going to have to live through something at some point because you know i grew up through the 80s mm. the 90s the noughties nothing happened you know 9-11 sure but apart from that there was no great wars there was no great famines there was no there was just almost endless prosperity for for the whole world everything was just getting better and better generally speaking in terms of reductions of poverty lifestyle technology everything was getting better and better but I always remember growing up thinking that can't go on forever like all of our grandparents lived through a war or a, a stock market crash or something you know something that was that generation defining like you just said so it was always on my mind that something had to happen, and now it has. And um, and I've mentioned before, I, I feel like, and most people here in Vietnam feel like they won the lottery by the just the sheer luck that we are here in Vietnam. Because for us, it's really not. There's definitely been hardships. You know, I've lost my job. Um, life has changed. My family have had obviously hardships, um, and it's it's been a tough year, but not anything compared to the people that are having to go through it in the hotspots like the UK, the US, Ireland, things like that. So um, I am hoping for people over there it gets better yeah. soon. Um, yeah, I hope, uh, yeah, uh, definitely, uh, definitely. Um, I think especially uh, uh, for comedy as well, like uh, I think for uh, besides the uh, the arts online gigs, a lot of us haven't like actually performed so, since March. Like a, a proper, like a proper gig. And are you apprehensive or nervous about getting back on stage? Yeah, again, yeah, in a way. Like uh, at the same time, you know, um, I, I do try to like write uh, material, try uh, write out new bits every now and then. Um, because I remember like uh, the, the last ever gig I did, like back in uh, like back in March, it was it was it didn't go really it didn't go that well. Oh no! So I. I yeah, I mean, uh, I did get, I did get, uh, you know, I uh, I did get laughs and stuff, but you know, it didn't, uh, you know, for my standards, you know, it didn't go quite that well. Um, so I figured a part of me wanted to rectify that, you know, wants to, I really want to rectify that, you know, when, yeah, uh, for my first gig, uh, for my first gig back post pandemic, you know, um, yeah, it's just been frustrating because I was supposed to do like an actual gig like back in uh, like late August, and then it got. Uh, 
because of changing uh, like restrictions. So it got pushed back until like October. And then after that, they announced like a second lockdown, a second national lockdown. And basically that was uh, all the, that was uh, canceled altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, uh, yeah, it, it, it had been like, it has been quite frustrating. Uh, and, you know, you used to, and like, because I'm living with, uh, so my housemate is, a, is also a comic and uh, both of us haven't like actually performed since March, uh, really performed uh, in Ireland since March. So, you know, it's, a, it's yeah, it's just uh, both of us are like, you know, just eager to get back on, you know. Well, good luck with the podcast. It's obviously going well. And uh, I think we've talked about I'm going to be coming on the hot podcast quite soon. So I'm looking forward to that as well. What plans do you have in, for your podcast? Um, so, at the, so at the moment, um, we're hoping to like um, just to uh, expand uh, our, our team, um, so especially like we want to, we, we're, we're interested in looking for, for um, like uh, Vietnamese comics, especially, especially members of like Vietnamese diaspora. And you know, it's actually a future, and you have to, and uh, and create so, and hopefully, like uh, allowing them to like tell the stories on on our platform. Um, we also like uh, looking into like having uh, further collaboration with people in other fields, like maybe like uh, design, like uh, graphic designers, cartoonists, and whatnot, just just to generate more content uh, for for our podcast. So there's a lot of so because uh, it's still relatively new and fresh. But but it's exciting at the same time, so because you, there's so many things you can do uh, with it, um, yeah, and you know, generally just uh, having a big a bigger platform for Vietnamese talent. That's awesome, and yeah, because I saw on your podcast you have you know Vietnamese comics who are based all around the world, uh, and so that's exciting to see as well because you know this podcast is about anyone who's connected to Vietnam. So that can be a foreigner or, or a local. And, and now this season, we're really expanding it out to talk to people like yourself, or we just talked to Nhi Corcoran, who's based in New York City. So we, we, we want to now expand to talk to Vietnamese people around the world, whether they're first generation, second generation or not. Um, we're just looking for people that are connected to Vietnam because it is, it is such a special country. Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. At the same time, also, you know, the idea of like just uh, because our, our slogan is where uh, is it is where Vietnam laughs with the world. So that's the idea, you know, like just you have Vietnamese comics and you have uh, co- international comics as well. Like, you know, just uh, joking around with uh, joking around with each other, um, and you know, because of the way we do our podcast, we do have like seg- we do like segments, uh, we do uh, like mini games and a lot of different activities. So it's just. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's just uh, having like a, a platform for them to uh, to express themselves, uh, you know, just beyond like you know, stand up or stand up or other genres. Um, yeah, but uh, I think yeah, it's just uh, there, there are a lot of uh, opportunities uh, and also ch- different also challenges at the same uh, challenges at the same time. Um, but yeah, we're just looking for like uh, new people to join in. And you know, like, and at the same time, you know, for uh, generating like new listeners, uh, for uh, new listeners. Well, hopefully, some of the listeners of Seven Million Bikes go and check out Hot Podcast and give those give those guys a listen, and um, you'll hopefully hear me on there soon as well. So we'll move on to the final questions that I ask everyone at the end of a Vietnam podcast. Living in Ireland, I imagine the traffic there is quite orderly and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> rule abiding and not seven million crazy motorbikes rushing about the city from every direction but you're obviously from Saigon and when you were growing up was was it as crazy here what was there obviously wasn't seven million motorbikes when you were younger but was it still just as nuts as it is now 
Um, yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, pretty much. Um, like I think the, while I was growing up, you know, the city was just expanding quite rapidly anyway. Uh, so you know, and people, uh, yeah, people were just driving. I think yeah, it was a bit, bit more, even it was a bit more or it was a bit more chaotic than before than uh, than than now actually. I think even while I was growing up, people didn't wear helmets. You know, it was just optional. Even when I moved here four years ago, five years ago. I think the the helmet law had only just come into effect. Yeah, wearing our helmet was optional. You still have like multiple generations uh, on one uh, on one mini on one mini bike. But that still um, happens. Yeah, a lot of still happen. Of course, within and in your cell arms was still quite common uh, back then. You know, things like rally hailing apps didn't, didn't exist. Um, but yeah, I think it was just yeah. Even uh, even then, it was just a bit more care. It was a bit more chaotic. You know, I think it started from like the nineties. Early 2000, it was already like pretty crazy back then. So we have over 7 million registered motorbikes in Saigon, over 45 million motorbikes across all of Vietnam. As we discussed, the, the, it's just uh, experience that you have to you have to experience for anyone in their life. Just come to Vietnam and cross the road or get on a motorbike. But what is the unwritten rule of the road that you couldn't live without? Um, uh, I think it has to be the one where like um, you just keep walking on, and hopefully the and hopefully there's an understanding between you and and, and the drivers. You know, you just you know they 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 make way for you. At the same time, you make way for them. You know, just uh, it's still like a social. It's like the the ultimate social contract. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, living in Saigon. So, what's your most useful Vietnamese phrase? I mean, uh, I, I think it has to be the one where uh, you know the one I told you about. Uh, you know, uh, waking up early. The early bakers catches the money. Uh, I think that's always stick to me. You know, it's just in case. It's a good one. Can you can you give us it in Vietnamese? cả thằng ăn mày cũng phải dậy sớm. Đúng rồi. That's the extent of my Vietnamese there. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I assume that you've traveled all over Vietnam or a little bit. And uh, obviously you've lived in Saigon. So what's your favorite sunset spot in Vietnam? Um, I, I guess it has to be um, uh, Da Nang. And any particular place in Da Nang or just anywhere in Da Nang? Uh, um, the beaches. Um, the, so the, the beaches in Da Nang are quite nice. And they're actually clean. Um, they're, very pretty, they're pretty clean compared to like the other beaches in in, uh, in Vietnam, like Phong Tao. Also Da Nang because uh, it's where... That's that, that part of Vietnam is where my parents are originally from. So, you know, there's a lot of attachment. So there's a bit of attachment to that, uh, to that particular area. But yeah, it, it, can, it's, it's, it can be nice, you know, especially you have Hoi An uh, nearby as well. You know, just, you, know go, you, you go there for like a bit of history. Mm. Um, but also some nice beaches. Um, so it's a very nice place to visit, visit during the summer. And I don't know if you've been yet, but just recently, my wife and I, we visited the Banner Hills with the Handbridge. And that was a, and the French village that they have on top of the mountain, which seems like it would be really cheesy. And like, it's like, it sounds terrible, like a fake French village, but it's actually really well done. And it's really nice. And we, we had a great time. And, and the sunset, actually, we were up on the top of a mountain and the sunset was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, actually, like um, the last time I was there was uh, the, the last time I was in Vietnam. Like uh, I went there back in August. I was doing a, I was actually doing a, a couple of shows there uh, with Devin Gray, and uh, I happened to have friends who was living in Da Nang, so I, uh, I went on a trip with them. We went up to Banah Hill. I think they, they they were doing like an auto Oktoberfest kind of thing, like uh, at the time. Uh, it was quite good, and actually, that was that was the first time I actually saw the you know, the, the big Lord of the Rings uh, hands. Uh, 
Pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, pretty impressive. I, I can understand why it was a bit. Of, uh, it was a bit. Uh, it was a, a social media craze back then. You know. No, it's that, uh, the pictures I'd seen before I went were really impressive, and it it lived up to expectations. It's really cool. I don't really know what the thinking behind it was. I didn't read anything about why they designed that. For anyone who doesn't know, go look up Banner Hills, and it's this these two massive hands holding up a bridge, and it, it looks like it's really old, but it's really new, and it's it's quite cool, I think. Anyway, yeah. And next question is. Perfect for you because you're one of the few guests who has experienced this the before and after. So I often ask this question and it's an expat who's not been here for very long. But would you rather live in Saigon 20 years ago, which would have been when you were a young boy, young lad, or would you rather live in Saigon now? I think well, because the question was like uh, Saigon uh, 20 years ago. I think 20 years ago at the moment is like 2001. Uh which is crazy you think about it. Um, so yeah. I, I think at the, so at the point I was like five years old. Um, I think barely I barely had any like living memory then. You know, like being five years old. Yeah, and you know, like especially I, I had a pretty comfortable. Like, even like back in two thousand one, I had a pretty comfortable, uh, relatively comfortable childhood, a pretty comfortable upbringing. Um, you know, things were still uh, you know things were still chaotic. Um, but the same, imagine. But I think you know the the idea. But just me, like being a twenty-something person, uh, educated, educated twenty twenty person living in Saigon in two thousand one. I think uh, be a very different dynamic, you know, compared to living in Saigon now. Actually, it was just ten years into opening up to essentially ten years of opening up to the world. Uh, there was still a lot of difficulties and challenges, and I think imagine myself living working in Vietnam like two thousand one. I think it would have been a very different. Uh, uh, it would be something quite quite interesting challenge, you know, but the standards of opportunities. Everything's so new and raw. You know, internet just came to Vietnam at that point, so it's just, it was, that's an avenue to to. So there's something to explore and something to invest in, you know, just in case. Um, yeah, and like yeah, even then, like uh, KFC was still considered luxury. KFC was still considered luxury uh, then. Um, yeah, I guess you know, like yeah, I think going just going back, I think just having uh, just. Uh, Going back uh, to Vietnam in two thousand one, working uh, as myself, then it would just be quite uh, quite fun to to do. Mm. Yeah, it's, I like the way that's a good way to look at it. It's a di- obviously a different way to look at it for uh, maybe that an expat would look at it or or someone else. So you know that's that's interesting. I need to go back a question. I was going to ask you what's your most useful English phrase. Uh, living over here, I guess the best one is uh, is uh, is grand. You know, it's just everything's gonna be grand. You know, it's just everything's gonna be grand. You know, it's grand. Yes, uh, I think that's a that's that's a fun way. It's just the optimism, the, the the blind optimism behind it is. The arm is falling off. How how are you doing? Ah, it's grand. It's grand. You know, everything's gonna be grand. You know, ah, it's grand. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, and then the final question is: What's missing from Vietnam apart from you? Don't say you. We know you're missing from Vietnam. <laughs> so, but what do what do you think is something that's missing from Vietnam? I guess the the uh, the pubs. Uh, you know, it's just like a like an actual like uh, you know. Um, I think there's a lot of missing. I mean, it's a difficult question because there are a lot of things missing in in Vietnam, and they're, they're also trying just having like a you know like a like an actual British style or like an Irish style pub uh, pub. Where it's actually, you know, it's the old, the, the cobblestone with the cobblestones and everything, you know, the, with the, all the cracks. I think that's the, 
something uh, I, I would bring from Ireland to, uh, to Vietnam, <laughs> just the crack, you know, just the idea of the crack. Yeah. <laughs> it is something that is almost quite unique to Ireland and Scotland, this kind of pub culture. And I don't, and I don't mean bar culture, this local pub culture where it's the same people that have been coming for 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. They know the barman, they know everyone. Um, and you can't really replicate that. You know, there's Irish bars here. There's even one in Saigon. And, but it, there's Irish bars around the world, but it's not the same as, as what you're talking about. Yeah, if it's just the idea of uh, the, the village pub, you know, it's just like one pub or like uh, maybe one pub for the entire village. Everyone just gathered there, like a community. Uh, like we have like community centre, because in Vietnam, like in the village, uh, the, the place where community gather it's just like a temple and you know, there's a lot but at the same time it's just very ceremonial there's a lot of formality you have to follow so it doesn't have that you're just lacking that informality from uh, just going to a, pub, a village or like a local pub it's funny you say about um, having one pub for one village because if you ever go to Australia and obviously they've got a reputation for drinking as well I, I've travelled extensively throughout Australia and you can go to this tiny, tiny little town with about a thousand people in the middle of nowhere, and they will have eight pubs. I'm not even yeah. kidding. You drive through the town, and it's just like pub on one side, pub on the other side, and you're like, how does this tiny town sustain eight pubs? But that's that's how much they like their beer in Australia. Yeah, I mean, I think in Ireland it's the same with like a village. I think in the Irish village, you have the same number of uh, a pub as well, just for like a town of like maybe like nine hundred to thousand people, like. Um, like you know, you have a church. I think from from uh, talking to people, they always say like in an Irish village, you have like a, a clothes shop, a church, something like a community center, and maybe it'll be like thirty pubs. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right, definitely. Yeah, the Irish, the Scots, the Australians, we're all we're all pretty similar. So listen, thank you so so much, Nia. Um, it's great to talk to you. I'm glad you're doing well. Um, I hope you'll get back to Vietnam soon when everything um, sorts itself out. And we'll be able to perform on stage together again. I'm looking forward to that. Um, before we go, tell everyone where they can find, I know we've mentioned it before, but where they can find the podcast, where they can follow you, how can they keep up to date with everything that you're doing? Um, yeah, so, I, um, so I'm, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So it's just, it's all uh, at uh, N, M, N, my comedy, N, M, A, I, N, M, I, N, my comedy. And the podcast is at the hot podcast, uh, VN. Yes, and we are on Facebook and Instagram, and also we are on all the major platforms, Apple, Google, uh, Spotify. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much. I'll, if you don't normally wake up until noon, you can go back to bed for two hours now. So thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, I will be speaking to you very soon. It's been enjoyable. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. I hope to see you on the hot podcast. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you follow 7 Million Bikes wherever you can get podcasts. The same with the Hot Podcast as well. And you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I also want to use this platform to highlight some of the amazing charities in Vietnam that just do some incredible work. And I've been really fortunate over the last couple of years to work really closely with some of them. One of them that um, I'm a massive supporter of personally is the Blue Dragon Children's Foundation. They started in 2003 by Michael Brzozowski, um, an Australian man who was here and he saw the need to help street children in Hanoi. 
So because of that, he started giving English lessons on the street, outside coffee shops, and then that has now grown into an amazing organization that helps provide families and children in crisis the chance to turn their lives around. They do incredible work around trafficking in Vietnam, which is a huge issue, helping to implement and change the laws and rescue victims of trafficking. So check out their website, bluedragon.org. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. If you can, please think about giving a donation because they are one of the charities that are closest to my heart here in Vietnam. I've met with Michael and some of the team. I've used to work very closely with them and they need everyone's support. So please check out the Blue Dragon Children's Foundation and a massive thank you to them for all the work they do. Thank you to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't, go back and listen to previous episodes and stay in touch. A massive thank you to two of the members of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. Thank you so much to Brandon Thompson and Zion Johnson. Your support is appreciated more than you can imagine. So thank you so, so much. That is unbelievable. If you want to become a Patreon as well and get a shout out at the end of each episode, make sure you go to patreon.com forward slash 7 million bikes. The link is in the show notes. And if you want to buy me a coffee or a beer, there's also a link in the show notes for that as well. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram and also like and subscribe from wherever you are listening to right now so you can never miss an episode. Thank you so much. Have a great day. hope you enjoyed this episode if you're like me you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public wi-fi this opens you up to digital snoopers it's a massive problem it can be your internet service provider or you know who looking at what you do online or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data these days it is vital that you keep your data safe NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. 
Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>